Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy. I was originally thinking of titling today's message, Good Ground. But as I was preparing and then I was thinking about it, I thought the Lord says that more appropriate title. And titles are important, just like how names are important. You know, you, you, with a name, with a title, you associate with something. And I didn't want today's message to just be about good ground. And of course, we'll be unpacking the parable of the sower today. Because when they talk about good ground, we have different responses, different reactions. You know, we can be talking about uh, good ground and you can be thinking that, oh, it's about, you know, salvation. Because the parable of sower talks about how the sower sows seed. You know, some fell on the wayside, but some fell on good ground. And the good ground were the ones that produced. And we can think good ground, oh, isn't good ground about salvation? I think I have that. You know, we can also be talking about good ground, thinking that it's some sort of spiritual condition. Uh, and that's also not too far from the truth. Uh, because every area, every nation is a different type of ground, different type of soil. Uh, and uh, take for example, um, you know, I... Uh, not too long ago, I had the opportunity to go to minister in Botswana uh, with our church there, ex-Botswana. And the ground there, you know, it's, they are so hungry for uh, spiritual things. They're so hungry uh, for God. And I still remember I was just minding my own business, sitting at the hotel lobby, waiting for someone to pick me up to go to church to speak. And I was just there reading my Bible. And uh, someone actually walked past me and, and looked at me. And, and, and kind of like, you know, they had that look in their eyes of like, this, this some, something is not right with this picture. Well, maybe because, you know, in Africa, there are not a lot of Chinese people, so obviously I stand out very obviously. Uh, but not just that, you know, I was reading a Bible. And for them, maybe because when they think of a Chinese person, they don't think of them being Christian. And so uh, this person walked up to me and go like, are you reading a Bible? And I go like, yeah, yes, ma'am, I'm reading a Bible. Can I have a look at your Bible? And she just took my Bible, had a look at it, turned through the pages, saw that it was highlighted, saw that it was well used, and go like, oh, this is a, a real Bible. I go like, yeah, it's a real Bible. I didn't know, I know what, what other types of Bible are there, maybe. And uh, so the person started, oh, so you're a Christian, you know, you read the Bible. And uh, I started saying, yeah, I'm, a, I'm actually a pastor. I'm actually here to, invited here to speak at one of our local churches here. And uh, we got into a conversation, and after a while, not too long, uh, just maybe a minute or two after talking, uh, this person says that, I, I noticed from our conversation that you are a man of God. Can you pray for me? And I was like, oh, wow, okay. And then the person begins to elaborate and go like, actually, uh, she's not just a visitor to the hotel. She actually works for the youth and sports ministry of Botswana. And so she actually works for the government. And she's saying that I'm actually here for a government meeting that's happening at the hotel. And we are actually trying to come up with an idea, with a plan that can help the young people of Botswana. So I'm about to go into the meeting. Can you pray for me that God will give us wisdom to come up with something that can be a blessing, that's something that can build the youth of this nation? I'm like, oh, wow, of course, what a privilege. And I proceed to you know, pray for her and bless her. And, and, and just like that, right? And, and so Botswana's kind of like, if you talk about ground, Botswana's uh, ground is very hungry. Uh, and, and, but compared to the UK, for example, you know, uh, uh, it's so hard to talk to people about faith. You know, some countries, you can talk to people about your faith and they just kind of like, if they're not interested, they'll just politely say, oh, no, thank you, and they'll walk away. But in this country, they might even argue with you. 
They might even scold you. They might even make fun of you. So it's totally different. And I was, uh, you know, yesterday just, you know, talking to uh, Pastor Joel who leads our church in Melbourne, Australia. And sometimes when you think of Australia, you're thinking, oh, of course, it's good ground. You know, a lot of the songs that we sang this morning came out of Australia. A lot of the big churches we know came out of Australia. And he's just telling me how, like, you know, one of the problems with Melbourne is that, you know, uh, people love this whole, like, chill living thing. And uh, every time it's holiday, people love going on holidays. And because the church there is majority young working adults, you're sharing me this concern that I'm, I'm so concerned that come Easter, we might not have a public service because there are not enough young adults. Most of them are telling me, Pastor, I'll be away. I'm going on holiday. I'm going on holiday. I'm going on holiday. And so he's thinking, oh, maybe we'll just have like a, you know, cell group service, a service at homes. Um, nothing wrong with service at homes, but again, it makes you think like, oh, wow, I didn't know Australia or specifically Melbourne's like that. You know, and, and so different places, you know, form a different types of spiritual ground. But that's also not what I want to talk about today. What I want to talk about and help us to realize is that good ground is an expectation of God on us. Last week, we talked about you know, fearing God, good fear. And, and part of fearing God is giving Him not just love, but respect. And respect also means that, God, I don't just love you. I want to be who you want me to be. So the question is this, what does God want us to be? God wants us to be good ground. And it's not just a one-time thing, salvation. It's not just a spiritual thing. It's an ongoing thing. You know, I'm not an expert at gardening. But one thing I know, if you want weeds to grow on your ground, all you need to do is do nothing. But if you want that patch of land that you have, no matter how big or small it is, to look beautiful, for the grass to be green, to look like astroturf, I said that it's real turf, then what you need to do is constantly go back to take care of it, to water it. And, and so today's message is titled, Good Reminder. Because I believe that when it comes to the issue of good ground and making sure that our heart, our life is a good ground onto God and onto everything that God wants to deposit in us, it's not just a one-off thing. It's something that we need to go back and toll the ground again and again and again. And I want to give us three principles that will make us a good ground for Jesus. And these three principles are things that we got to remind ourselves again to be like this, to act like this, to live like this. Now the parable of the sower is very powerful. It's found in three uh, uh, gospels of the four gospels in the Bible. Uh, three of them have vivid accounts of the parable of the sower. And so we're going to read through all of them and then we're going to unpack them. Is that okay? And this is so important. Why am I mentioning three times? Because you know every time, you know, when Jesus speaks, you know, and everybody, if four people there, three out of four people catch it, you know that it's important. You probably can even think that it's something that Jesus spent a lot of time explaining, even though it was written in a rather short form kind of way, but probably Jesus elaborated more of it when he was preaching it live. And maybe, for all you know, Jesus probably repeated this sermon a few times. Because when you think about it, Jesus had ministry for three years. You know, your pastor who serves church for one year, you know, and, and he, if, if, imagine if I preach, let's say, there are 52 Sundays, and I, let's say I preach 45 of those Sundays, I will at least have 45 messages. And yet, none of the Gospels have 45 chapters. 
So it makes you think, isn't it? Maybe Jesus didn't just always come up with a new message. Maybe he just preached the important ones again and again and again. Maybe the Sermon on the Mount is called the Sermon on the Mount because it started on the Mount, but he preached it at the valley as well. Amen? And so we want to go into some scripture today. <coughs> oh, excuse me, cough break. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1 to 23. If you're there, can I hear a good amen? Amen. Just because your pastor is losing his voice doesn't mean you have to lose your voice. So preach back to me and uh, we will be able to power through this. Amen. So I need your encouragement today, church. (coughs) Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. On the same day, Jesus went out to the house and sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in the parable, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, They were scorched, and because there were no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And the disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered to them and said, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. So let's jump all the way to verse 23 and go straight to Jesus' explanation on the parable, specifically his explanation on the good ground. In verse 23 of Matthew chapter 13, it says this, But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let's go to our next verse. Mark chapter 4, verse 1 to 20. Mark 4, 1 to 20. And again, he began to teach by the sea. And a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables. And he said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened. As he sowed, that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a good crop that sprang up, increased and produced some 30, some 60, and some a hundredfold. And he said to them, he who has ears, let him hear. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And let's jump to verse 20 straight away to see Jesus' explanation on the good ground. But these, he explained, are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it and bear fruit. Some 34, some 64, and some 100. Let's go to one more scripture uh, for today before I unpack this. Luke chapter 8, verse 4 to 15. Luke 8, 4 to 15. And when, he, and when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell on the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell on thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good 
ground, sprang up and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then his disciples asked him, What does this parable mean? So let's jump straight to verse 15 to see Jesus' explanation on the good ground. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Amen. And so you have here, uh, you know, we repeatedly studied on the parable of the sower. And one thing we know now that God is looking for good ground. And this is something that not only God looks at, but all of us look at. You know, if I were to tell you that I, have, I right now write you a check for a million pounds and you can, you know, buy any property to build your own house, how many of you here would, would buy land on a swampy area? Or how many of you here would rather buy land that is a good ground? Amen? And so, you know, good ground, even we like it. Don't talk about God. Even we want good ground. We want a good postcode. We want a good location, you know? And so God is saying to us, look, a good ground is not just a spiritual condition. It's so much more. It is a perpetual state that I desire my people to be in. And I want them to constantly be working because when you don't work your ground, your ground becomes bad ground. But when you work your ground, it has the potential to be good ground and that will produce something for God. And, and I want my desire is for us to be good ground. And it's almost like God puts a, a, a bullseye of blessing over your head. You know, how many of you want if God looks down from heaven and over your head is a bullseye, uh, not for punishment but for blessing? You know, and he's thinking there like, hey, you know, I, I, I want to bless people. You know, I want to bless some people healing. You know, who, who, who can I bless with? And then you're walking around because you're, you're loving God and wanting a good ground for your heart, for your life. You know, you become an immediate target for God's increase. And so I hope that as we study this, this will benefit you in more ways than one. This will keep you, uh, you know, uh, as a person who is offering up a pleasing sacrifice. May your life be a pleasing sacrifice unto God, but may your life also be a magnet that will draw in and attract in God's blessing as well. Amen? So three principles on how to be a good ground. Three reminders that we've got to tell yourselves every day. Principle number one on how to be a good ground. Humility. From the passage we read, it's not immediately noticed humility as a point or as a wisdom. But as I was meditating upon this, I feel God says that humility, because the problem with us is that many times as we grow in our faith, our spiritual convictions become our spiritual pride. And we begin to judge the people around us because they don't sing like us, they don't serve like us, they don't give like us. But once pride takes space in your life, God doesn't like it and God cannot bring an increase. And so, humility. What the, why does the good ground represent humility? Because what makes the ground good? The seed. If there was no seed added, the ground would just be ground. I know that's deep. Please write it down. It, it will hit you when Monday comes. Oh, if the ground hadn't have seed, it's just ground. The reason we studied it as good ground was because it received the good seed. What we need to understand is this. As Christians, every good thing comes from God. And everything that we have is from God. When we have God, we have everything. And we don't have God, we have nothing. 
And this is so important because as we grow in our faith, as we journey as individuals, it is so important for us to always have a heart that's humble before God. And always have a heart that is in that God... I am nothing. I am but dust. I am a sinner compared to you. God, speak to me. God, correct me. God, I need you. The problem is this, that the more we grow in our faith, sometimes, you know, especially, especially in our good times, you know, we forget God. You know, I can tell you this, you know, in, in, if, if God leads you to a job, for example, you know, we have some people here praying for jobs and God leads you a job and when you get the job, you know, and people can come up to you and go like, wow, you're living the dream, man. You're, work, you're getting a job. You're working here in the UK. What's your secret? And I guarantee you can tell them everything. Oh, you know, the secret is, you know, you, you, you study really hard in the first year. And then you apply by the second year. Oh, the secret is, you know, you, 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 you got to, you know, be like me and learn how to talk to people and, and how to eat Jaffa cake so they can blend in. Because uh, I overheard that. I literally overheard that conversation earlier. Someone said that, you know, hey, you must learn to eat the local food so that when you go for interview, you know how to blend into local culture. And we can talk about uh, different secrets to success. And many times we forget to even mention God. But when the bad times come rolling, we mention God. You know, the moment that job that God leads you to is harder than you expected it to be. Your expectation is that while you go there, you get praised every day. Reality is that your supervisor is barking down and breathing down your neck every day. And when that happens, you go like, God, why? God, you know, I thought that when you bless me, it would add no sorrow. What is this, God? What is this? And then, but when success comes, you, you don't even point to God, you point to yourself. And so it's so important for us to be a good ground, to remain humble before God. God, for the rest of my life, I want to be humble before you. I want to be, another word for humility is to be teachable. May we always continue to have a heart that is teachable before God. God, I can never stop learning from you. God, I can never stop improving for you. God, I want to be better for you, God. You know, I want to stay humble. I, I want this ground to be soft before you. That's another word for humility, soft before God. And the good ground was able to receive the seed because it was soft. And so principle number one that we got to remind ourselves, go back to this, come on, don't ever forget, be humble before God. You know, in fact, this is one of the advice that my mom gave me, you know, when I said, you know, that I want to serve God, go full time, and she didn't like it initially, but eventually through prayer and God speaking to her life, she finally gave me her blessing. And she only has two, you know, uh, 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 requirements for me. She said, okay, now that you serve God, promise me that you do two things. You will follow God with a humble heart. Follow God with a humble heart. Point number one. No, not, I mean, my mom's point to me, not, not you. You know, humble heart and follow God. And, and, and initially, I was like, oh, thank you, mom, for your blessing. But as I served the Lord more and more, I realized that, wow, my mom, you know, they didn't go to any seminary. My mom preached probably the most powerful message, you know, that, that I ever received, which is to, to follow God with humility. And today, I'm passing it on to you. You know, follow God with humility. Point number two, principle number two, reminder number two, stay hungry, hunger. If point number one is humility, point number two is hunger. Stay hungry for God. Are you hungry for God? We're hungry for a lot of things. We're hungry for success. We're hungry for lunch. We're hungry for food. Some of us are always hungry, but hungry for the wrong things. We're always desperate, desperate for the wrong things. But are you hungry for God? Or has your heart grown cold? When it comes to the things of God, when it comes to the Word of God, 
do we look at it as just suggestion or do we see it as truth, as solution to everything that we're facing? Now you notice that of the three accounts, uh, the ground uh, that was good was always described as hungry because they say that good ground, I still remember just earlier on when we read in Matthew, it says good ground are those who hear the Word of God and understood it. And Mark, it says those are, uh, the good ground are those who hear the Word of God and accepted it received it into their hearts. And Luke shared that good ground are those who hear the Word of God and keep it. And so whether you see it as understanding it, accepting it, or keep it, in other words, it, it means that what God, whatever you drop onto me, I want it, I want to keep it, I want it in my life now. And that is the type of hunger we should have towards God, His presence, and His ways. And, and, and this used to, you know, mess with me sometimes because, you know, when I first started preaching, I, I read from Matthew and says that, that, you know, uh, the good ground is you know, those who hear the Word of God and understood it. And I used to think that, oh no, you know, if I don't preach in a good way and people don't understand what I preach, am I not helping them to be good ground? But actually, it doesn't mean understanding. It means hunger. It means craving. So understand it if you can. If you can't understand it, accept it. If you can't accept it, keep it. <coughs> Excuse me. Let me elaborate. There are certain things that we can understand when it comes to God. And I won't lie to you. There are certain things, even though I'm a pastor, I hope this won't shock you. I hope this won't make you change church. I don't understand. I don't understand and take this with maturity and, and let me finish. I don't understand how Jesus, one person dying on the cross can erase all of my sin. How did that one act, how did that get multiplied to the whole of humanity? I don't understand it. I believe I will understand it one day. But just because I don't understand it, doesn't mean I chuck it out. You see, when it comes to the Word of God and the things of God, sometimes we are so, we, we, we go for preference. Pastor, show me all the parts in the Bible that says, bless me. Pastor, show me all the parts in the Bible that says, you know, uh, um, you know, God will forgive me even though I do the worst things on planet Earth. God, you know, uh, Pastor, show, show me the Bible that, that the, the passages that says that, you know, uh, um, you know, He will always be there for me. But when it comes to the Word of God, for us to be good ground, we got to not just be wanting to hear the good things, but we need to be hungry for all things. And even things that we might not be in agreement with. We talk about understanding, but at certain things we read and we might not agree. One of the questions I get asked a lot is this, why does the Bible sound so chauvinistic? Why must it say that women must submit to their husbands? And why does it say that the man must lead? Why is it so, you know, ancient? Well, it's, it's, it is ancient, you know, but, but it is still relevant, amen? And then sometimes, just because what we read doesn't compute to our 21st century minds, uh, we feel the need to just chuck it aside. But this is what the Word of God says. Good ground are people, if you can understand it, understand it. If you can't understand it, you can't even agree to it, at least learn to accept it. And if you really can't accept it, at least keep it. Don't throw it away. And then there are times where you read and go, like, oh, I don't quite understand why God would write that. You know, why, why, why God would say that, you know. But you know what? Just because I don't understand doesn't mean it's not true. 
Just because I don't understand doesn't mean that I can't accept it. Sometimes I don't understand, but I can accept. I don't understand how that one act on the cross can eliminate sin for all mankind, past, present, and future. Do you know that if you have children, not today, because none of you are pregnant today, but if you have few children one day, your children's sins have been forgiven by Jesus? And it, 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 it boggles the mind. I don't understand how that can happen, but I accept it. And sometimes, you know, I still remember when I was growing up as a Christian, uh, when, they, when I read the Bible, it says, our oh, God is three in one. And, and, and as a young believer, I couldn't understand how, you know, in school, I learned one plus one plus one plus one equals three. But how come in the Bible, it says one plus one plus one equals one. I know some of you are already counting my ones from the earlier statement. <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad my, my mistakes are keeping you, you know, attention to the message. Praise God for that. And, and, but you get what I mean. You know, but and initially, I, I couldn't understand, but I kept it. And I noticed that when it comes to the things of God, sometimes the longer I keep it, I begin to not just accept it, but the more I accept it, I'm able to understand it. And so today, if you ask me a question, Pastor, how does the Trinity work? I, I, I can tell you, I understand it more today than ever before. Will we fully, fully understand it? Maybe not. Maybe until when we see God face to face, then we'll go like, oh. Because maybe for us, it's just, you know, it's like trying to explain to a bacteria in the Petri dish that there is life outside the Petri dish. And then, and then we are that bacteria. You know what I'm saying? And so sometimes we got to go like, you know what? I'm just going to trust, you know, that the person who is poking and prodding me knows what they are doing. And, and so, you know, we've got to come back to that place of God. I hunger for your word. I hunger for your instruction. And God, I don't want to be a Christian that is, you know, preferential in my growth. I don't just want to grow in certain areas. Some of us, we only want God to bless us, but we don't want to change for God. Some of us, we only want God to forgive us, but we don't want to repent for God. And the danger is this, that as we grow in our faith, you know, pride can take place, but not just that. It can produce something ugly, like, like you know, a forgiveness without repentance, you know, and, and, and blessing without honour. And we just become Christians that are always chasing after. In fact, the Bible says, you know, in the, in the end days, there will be people chasing after teaching that will tickle their ears. And but for us to be a good ground for God, I pray that we will hunger, just like how the ground was so hungry. Whatever was dropped there, it just took in. If they could understand, they understand. If they could, couldn't understand, at least they accepted it and they kept it. Point number three is this. Harvest. How do you know a good ground? is a good ground. Well, the Word of God says that good ground, first of all, is only good ground when it has a deposit from God. So we've got to remain humble so that God keeps adding on because God adds to those who are humble. We've got to be hungry for God because it says that, you know, a good ground is, is it just absorbs, receives, swallows up the seed and in time, that seed produced. So, in other words, we know that you are good ground or we know that we are good ground because we are producing a harvest. And when you talk about harvest, all three accounts, they use different terminologies to explain. One says understand it. One says, you know, receive it when it comes to the Word of God. But when it comes to the harvest, when it comes to the crop, they all use the same numerical amount. Hundredfold, hundredfold, hundredfold. Hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. But one common denominator is hundredfold. In other words, increase, 
produce. Once there was zero, now there was a hundred. And so how do you go like, God, I want to be good ground for you. I don't, I don't just want to be a flash in the pan. I want to live for you. I want to stay humble. I want to stay hungry. But God, I want my life to be producing harvest. When you think about harvest, what does it mean? Harvest means that God is not just interested to add on to our lives. God is interested for our lives to produce something. For us to grow where there was once zero growth. So ask yourself, what are areas in your life right now that there are zero growth? It could be, I mean, God forbid, I'm just using this for example. Some of you are like, man, there's zero in the area of my giving. Then for you to be good ground, for you to be a ground that God desires, then I pray that that zero will turn to something and not remain a zero forever. Maybe right now, your, 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 the area of your life that is zero, it could be purity. And God is saying that, come on, don't be a zero in the area. Come on, grow in purity. Come on, grow in your giving. Grow in your serving. Grow in your hunger. Because maybe for some of us, our hunger could be the thing that's switched on to zero. But God said, come on, grow in your hunger. Grow in your passion. Grow in your boldness. Speaking of boldness, that leads to another way to look at harvest. Harvest also literally means the most easy to explain definition for all Christians. means reaching the lost. In other words, God is saying that I'm not just here to save you. I'm here to save you so that you can save other people. You see, you cannot love someone and not be interested in the things they love. Nowadays, Pastor Cat comes up to me and go like, oh, I need coffee nowadays. And I go like, finally. After seven years of marriage and close to 15 years of being in a relationship, finally she is into coffee. Because eventually, when you love someone long enough, you become influenced by them. You become passionate about them and passionate about what they are passionate about. A lot of us here, we love K-pop. And you don't understand it. Maybe throw back to point number two. You don't understand it, but you receive it. You, know, you don't understand what BTS is saying, but you receive it and you keep it. What is Anyo Haseyo? I don't know. Kamsa Hamida sounds like tongues. But I accept it. I keep it. And I also notice this. Those people who are really in love with K-pop, eventually, I notice, their Korean starts improving. Because when you love something, you begin to want to understand it. You begin to want to get into it. And so after a while, people who love K-pop or, or K-pop stars, maybe specifically, when you start following them to Korean restaurants, first of all, they start going like, oh, I like Korean food now. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay, so when you love star, you begin to love what they like, Korean food. Okay, cool. And then begin to love the language. And then when you go in to order, it's no longer, you know, you know if I go in, I'll be like, ah, what is this? Kimbap. You'll be like, Pastor, it's not kimbap. It's kimbap. What's the difference? I can't hear. It's, it's there, Pastor. You don't understand. You, do, you don't love it like how I do. You know what I'm saying? And so when you begin to love something, you begin to desire to understand it. You begin to desire to, 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 to want to also be passionate about the things they're passionate for. And, and, and that's why, you know, just again, I should have titled today's message, you know, Lessons from K-Pop. But I shouldn't. Isn't it funny that, that the, the fans of BTS, the biggest Korean boy band, are called the ARMY? Think about that. 
That's, oh, some of you are like, huh, really? Correct, right? I'm looking at the K-pop people. Some are shy. Some are turning around, no, no, pastor, not me, not me, not me. But I could have heard, I could have swore, I, I, I heard this conversation floating around in church before, you know, uh, after church service, of course. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, when, you, wow, when you're passionate for them, you, you, you volunteer to be their army. Wow, to take ground for them. I'm like, whoa. But how come we don't say that about God? How, how, come, how come we go like, God, I love you, but how come we're not passionate about the harvest? I'm not asking you about going to the mission field. Maybe God will call you one day. But I'm talking about as simple as this. How many times have you heard people say this? I don't like to talk to new people. Oh, so silent. New people, we love you. I will talk to you. Don't be scared. I'm letting you know in advance, don't be scared. But when we say things like that as a believer, that's anti-harvest. Because new people, they are the harvest. You know, I don't, I, don't, I don't like to talk to new people. I don't want to talk to people who are different than me. If you're anti-different people who are different than you, then you're anti-harvest. Then you're not being good ground. We've got to challenge ourselves. You know, what kind of church are we going to be? Church is not just a social club, a blessing club. We've we got to be a church that loves people who are new, loves people who are different, loves people who don't look like us, who don't sound like us, who don't smell like us. We've got we to begin to go like God. You know, is that, is that why there's no increase in my life? It's because unknowingly I've made your harvest by enemy? Maybe enemy is too strong a word, but we have preferences, don't we? You know, sometimes in church, we can't help it. We just want to stay in our own little circle, but that's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is not about us jumping from conference to conference. Christianity is not us putting on Christian CD and just listening to all the favorite songs again and again and again. You know, Christianity is not just us reading Christian books only. Christianity is about the harvest. Jesus didn't come just to die to save you. He came to die to save you and to save your entire generation. And so we got to begin to go like, God, I want to be good ground. I know you're looking for good ground. I want to be that good ground for you. I want to stay humble. I want to stay hungry. But God, I want to get involved in the harvest. Not only do I want there to be a harvest in my life, areas that were once didn't please God, now begin to please God. But God, I want to be involved in bringing in the harvest. You know, I know, and, and how do we bring in the harvest? How do we do that? I'm not just asking you to now immediately take out. And that's where Christianity fails sometimes. You know, we go into, we have this jargon that we say, you know, if every one of us, if next week all of us bring one friend, our church will double. And you probably heard this said a million times before. And guess what? Churches don't double. You know why? Because people don't just come to church because you tell them to come. How does the harvest grow? Time. And so to be good ground, we're going to spend time growing a harvest. In Luke, it says that good ground is someone who not only hears the Word of God and keeps it, but with patience brings out that harvest. We can come back to the place of saying, God, heart check. How do I please you? Am I spending too much time with my Christian friends only? If, if all you do is surround yourself with people who think like you, talk like you, you're not going to reach the harvest. We got to check ourselves and go like, 
man, how do I, how do I reach the harvest? God, your word says, love your neighbor. My neighbor is my harvest. Do you know your neighbor? And I'm not talking about the neighbor next to you. I'm talking about your physical neighbor. Ouch. Can you imagine? One of Jesus' most simple commands, we're not doing it. And, and here we say, God, I want to be a good ground for you. Get into the harvest. Do you know your neighbor? One day, God's going to hold us accountable. Because, let me tell you this, for students especially, the free time that you have right now, don't take it for granted. Once you graduate, you will no longer have that. Right now, for better or worse, you're doing life with the same group of people for three years, for four years. No, the housemates that you have right now are not forever. And right now, maybe you wake up in the morning and you look at them and go like, my word, why did I sign a contract with you two years ago? But again, the contract is only for two years. Once, once you start working, you will no longer have that person in your life. You will no longer have the same group of people that you see every day for the same set of hours, for the same set of weeks. And one day, my fear is that God will hold us accountable and do a little audit with us and go like, you know, I sent you to London for three years and I put 20 people around you for three years. What did you do with the 20 people with the three years I gave you? Sometimes we don't even realize that God has placed harvest around us. Your neighbors, your harvest. Your friends, your harvest. And when I say harvest, I'm not asking you to look at them as some sort of target. How can I get you saved? We've got to love people. We've got to start caring. We've got to start knowing people. Ask anyone. Again, I'm no expert at gardening. But one thing your pastor knows this. When you drop a seed today, there won't be a harvest tomorrow. You need to drop a seed. Let the seed germinate. And then when it begins to sprout, take care of it, and eventually, there'll be a harvest. A lot of us, we just want to, you know, get our friends safe. But God is saying, go on a journey with them. Be be before they care about what you know, they need to know that you care. And before you have the right to tell people how to behave, you've got to make them feel like they belong. Are you being a good ground? See, good ground is not just about salvation. Good ground is not just about having an obedient heart. Good ground is saying that, God, yes, I have an obedient heart. I'm hungry. Yes, I'm humble. But God, I also want to be passionate about the harvest that you are so passionate about that you died for them. Would you give time to the harvest? Now, I understand this. It's not easy to bring friends to church. It's a privilege. It's a blessing when people finally say yes. And it's a joy to have them worship with you and get to experience what you experience. But the good news is this. You might, you can bring church to them. And you might be thinking, oh, how pastor? By Spotify or podcast? No. By you. You are that church. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are that church. You might not be able to bring your friends with you every Sunday, but you can bring church to them through your life through your conduct, through your speech to them every day. For your friends, it can be Sunday every day as long as you bring God to them. 
in your life every day. The question is now, would you go to a church that looks like you? That's where we need to check ourselves again. Am I living for you, God? God, am I bringing you? Am I showcasing you in the best way possible in my workplace? In my classroom? In my household? God, I don't just want to be a Christian that comes to church and gets so well-versed with Christian jargon. Oh, good ground. Oh, you're doing... And I get asked this all the time. Oh, you're doing missions in UK. Oh, that's tough ground, huh? Europe's a tough ground. All of us are tough ground. But God expects all of us, no matter how tough, how soft, to be good ground for His glory. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just want to commit, Lord, this message into your hands. God, right now, Lord, bring us back to that place again. God, we thank you, Lord, for this powerful reminder, this good reminder that being a good ground for you is not just a one-off thing. Being a good ground for you is not just a Christian thing to say, but it's something that you're absolutely passionate about. And God, it's something that we need to constantly be working on in our lives. So Lord Jesus, I pray for everyone here, myself included, Lord, may you keep us humble before you always. Lord, may we never be so drunk with blessing and success that we begin to reduce you into a consumer relationship. Friends, that's not why God is. He's not just a machine that you press the bless me button. Without Him, we are nothing. That ground had potential. But if the seed was not deposited, it would just be untapped potential. Friends, you have giftings, you had potential. But don't forget what activated that potential. It's God. It's always been God. Let's give Him the glory that He deserves. Let's give Him the honour that He deserves. Let's give Him the tribute that He deserves. May we never forget that. May we never lose sight of that. God, help us to forever stay hungry for You, God. God, sometimes it's so easy for us to be hungry for success and hungry for relationships, but God, help us to be hungry to please You. And God, help us to be hungry for Your Word. God, help us not to substitute Your Word with messages or with songs or with articles that we read. It's Your Word that has power. It is Your Word that brings life and solution to everything that we're going through through. May we not only learn to love your word, but may we be hungry for your word. And Lord, help us with our understanding. Help us to understand if you can understand it. But even if we can't, God, give us the faith to accept it. And the resilience to keep on believing. To keep it. And last but not least, God, a good ground produces the harvest. So God, help us, Lord, to lead spiritual, productive lives for you. Help us, Lord, to bear fruits in accordance to our repentance. But Lord, help us to also be involved in bringing in the harvest, producing a harvest.
God, help us to overcome as Christians. Even, Lord, help us to watch what we say, the small things that we say. Lord, we don't even realise, but that's actually stopping us from being a good ground when we say we don't like to talk to people who are different or we just say things we don't even try. We say, I don't know how. Help us to learn. Help us to grow. Help us to stop making excuses for the harvest and start doing great exploits for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship God one more time. Thank you, Lord. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.